Ready to boost sales and grow your business without the BS? Welcome to the Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We'll be sharing actionable tips across marketing, sales, and growth without the BS to help you skyrocket your business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. Looking forward to being joined by Alan Langer today. Alan is a speaker, sales trainer, and a published author. He's been in sales for only over 27 years. His book, The Seven Secrets to Selling More by Selling Less, is an Amazon bestseller and talks about how to shed the sleazy skin all salespeople are perceived to have and become the salesperson everyone wants to talk about and refer business to. Alan, a very warm welcome to the the show, Squire. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good, Sam. How are you? Thanks for having me. No worries, dude. Yeah, doing good on this side. And looking forward to today's conversation, Alan. We're going to be mixing it up and talking about why we need to stop selling and start helping people. Absolutely. Good stuff. And we'll have a bit of a chat about how we can utilize content to help us with this. As I know, you're you're very big on content. You've obviously got your own podcast as well. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll get into that. But first of all, Alan, why do we need to shift our mindset from focusing on the sale to actually focusing on helping our potential customer or our existing customers. Well, if you think about it in your own experience, you know, do you like, does anybody like talking to a salesperson? When I wrote my book, I did a survey. I asked 236 people over a two week period in a coffee shop. I sat and wrote my book in a coffee shop and everybody that walked in, I asked them this one question. I said, do you like meeting with or talking with a salesperson? And all 236 said no. It wasn't even like, eh, maybe it were, they were all emphatic no's. And when you think about why that is, it's because salespeople usually, for the most part, and that's the perception, is they just care about the sale. They just care about selling you something. They don't care about you. And that's yep. the mindset that's trained. So when you are actually approaching or, or approaching, used to when we used to be able to approach face-to-face and now with, with Zoom calls, if all you're thinking about is how you're going to sell the customer, you will always be a mediocre sales rep because the customer wants you to help them not to sell them. So if you prior to the sales call or the or the meeting, if you change your mindset to say, I'm here to help this customer, whether they buy or not, I don't care if they buy or not, but if what I can offer can help them, then you will actually start selling more because the natural byproduct of the conversation becomes the sale because you're leading with helping not with selling and that's the the mindset is number one if if your mindset stays with i gotta hit my numbers i gotta hit my quota you'll just always be average yeah that almost answers my question really alan because i know if if i look back to my younger days where i first got into sales perhaps almost 10 years ago Mm -hmm. um when i first got into the digital sales game anyway when when a lead would come in or if i generated my own leads either over the phone or through our website i'd always be thinking just like you said then i want to bring the sale in not necessarily putting the customer's needs first and just thinking whatever happens i want to get this quote shipped I want to try and close them over the phone or I want to send the proposal and I want to get the, the business in. Um, and like you say, obviously, that's that's something that sometimes might work, but it's certainly not going to please everyone you speak to. And in some cases, might even piss them off. So mm-hmm. exactly. What are some ways that we can actually shift our mindset instead of even if 
especially when it's um, at the end of the quarter or the mm-hmm. end of the month, when we've probably got a big target over our head, either for our business or for a rep, then we've got that that, that target that we, we need to match. What are some ways that we can kind of shift our mindset and make sure even, even if we have got this high pressure, we're still putting the customer's needs ahead? Yeah, I mean, the, the it, it does become tough when you actually have a numbers based, like all sales are based on numbers, you know, let's be real, you know, they're going to look at numbers at the end of the day. But if all the all the company cares about are your numbers, hmm. and not about how the customers feel, it's going to be a company that you're just always prospecting rather than than using your existing customers for referrals. And, and, right. and, if you start the month the right way, you should end the month not worrying about your quotas because all of that that entire attitude of helping will make you will let you hit your numbers very, very easily. And then as you do that and you become the sales rep that people want to talk to and refer, because think about it, when you meet a salesperson, you, this is happens to everyone in their lives. You meet a salesperson that actually doesn't fit the perception of selling first or it's in it for me you actually meet a salesperson that you like and seems to be very interested in helping you you are thrilled and you like refer that person to everyone you know oh you you, you need you need a new car go to go to peter at this at this car lot because he was awesome he didn't try to sell me something i didn't need so it may take a little while to get to that point but then you're just going to start being head and shoulders above everyone else because Again, you're putting the customer's needs first. You're putting the customer, you're asking about the problem that you can solve rather than just pushing your product. And the numbers will take care of themselves. It may not happen overnight, but if you can be consistent with that, don't get hung up in the numbers. Don't say, oh my God, I have to make this sale to meet my quota. Um, you're just going to have commission breath and you, and customers are going to see that and you're not going to sell it. You're just probably not going to sell it. Got it. So in this show, Alan, we talk a lot about asking great questions to our customers throughout the discovery stage and ongoing throughout the sales process. And even once they do, if they do become a customer. Um, so is that what this is about, Alan, or is, is there a bit more to it to to ensure that we really are a helpful resource to our prospects or our existing customers and they don't just view us as another pesky salesman who wants to take their cash? Yeah, I mean, the questions are critical, but the questions have to be genuine. They can't be like, uh, I, I, I walked into this company once that for some sales training and they showed me their process. And one of the processes they had was they had a clipboard that the reps would walk. This was uh, in home selling. They'd walk into a house with a clipboard with a questionnaire on it. And that's <laughs> how they would start the presentation. <laughs> I was like, you're making your customers feel like they're in a doctor's office. What are you doing? That's not genuine. Uh, so it's, it's, it's sometimes it's so simple, but just reps don't even think about it or they're never trained. I would always start a presentation by saying, listen, I'm not here to give you a sales presentation. Tell me why I'm here. Tell me about your problems. And then I would just shut up. And just that simple introduction, their walls went down. They took a deep breath like, oh my God, he, this guy's not a typical salesperson. And that's different from saying, I hear some sales reps saying, Oh, I'm not here to sell you anything. No, that that's a lie. You are there to sell something, and if you say I'm not, I'm he- I'm not here to sell you anything. Customers know you're lying. But if you say to them, I'm not here to give you a sales presentation, or I'm not here to talk about stuff you don't want to hear, that's a relief to the customer, and then the walls start coming down, and then you can start asking questions about their problems. It's never about you. It's never about your company. It's never about the product until it is. 
Mm. They'll tell you when they want to hear about the product. If you lead with your product, you, they're going to tune you out. Got it. So it's, it sounds like a lot of this is to to do with listening in, understanding your customers' needs, their problems, like you mentioned, Helen. Mm-hmm. And how do we ensure we're not ha- overhelping? So how do we ensure that we're not becoming almost a free consultant to someone that's just helping our, our prospects so much, we're giving them all the information, all the details they need, that they don't actually need our services anymore because we've answered so many of their questions. We've been such a helpful resource. They don't actually need to pay our invoice or go ahead with our quote or our pitch or our presentation because we've already given them all the, in- the info they need to get it done themselves. It's actually a, a, a common misconception that that's a problem. You will never, ever be too much of a help. Uh, you know, a lot of people like when we get to the when we start talking about content, people are afraid to put content out on LinkedIn or on social media because like they their their concept is, oh, my God, I want I'm giving away all my secrets. But yep. you're actually not because what you're doing instead is positioning yourself as the expert, as the authority and giving them great content. And then when they need your help, they will call you. They're not going to be able to do what you do. They think they do. You know, I, I give I give two or three sales tips a week on LinkedIn. It doesn't mean and and, uh, and I hope they're very helpful. But if someone actually says, you know what, I really want some some in-depth training, I'm hoping they call me because of the content that I gave them. It's like the great analogy I heard is if you're trying to build a house and you call your friend who's a house builder once a day and say, how do I put the header up here? Or how do I put the electric in? And he just tells you. And then after two weeks, you're like holy crap, I just can't build this house myself. Who are you going to call to help you build the house? The guy who gave you all the information. So there's really no such thing as too much content. There's no such thing as too much helping. The more you help, the more rewards you will reap uh, coming back to you. Again, it may take a little time, but trust me, give away as much as you can because it will always come back. Definitely. And that's something I've personally seen a lot, especially with, with LinkedIn and tools like that. So yeah. without further ado, let's let's jump into the content side, Alan. As, as I was saying before, I know you're big on, on content, just like myself, just like the show. You've got your mm-hmm. own podcast. You've put a lot of useful tips in terms of sales and that kind of good stuff across social. So why do we need to, to leverage content to, uh, within the essence of the show, be helpful to build up trust? Is it going to be a good use of our time? How quickly can we see the results? Um, why should we even consider doing it? Well, in in today's world, people are going to want it. They, they're going to want to trust someone and they're not just going to um, call anyone. So when you start putting out content in a consistent basis, and when I say content, the content is never about you. It's always about helping or, or giving some sort of value. And when you start doing that, your potential customers will start seeing you as, as a resource, as an expert, as an authority in your field. And when they need you or when they see run into someone who may need you, they will call you because you're top of mind. You know, if you need, let's say you needed a sales trainer and you saw me consistently on LinkedIn you think you're going to start searching for different sales trainers. You're going to probably go to the one that you say, I kind of like this guy's stuff. I trust him. I'm just going to call him and and have a conversation. It's the same with the, let's say you needed a real estate, uh, you know, someone to help you buy a house and you're on LinkedIn or Facebook every day. And you see the one real estate person that's giving you really valuable content about mortgages, about education in a town, about, you know, 
how to how to search for a house as opposed to just going online and searching real estate agents you're going to you're going to contact the person that you've seen every day who's offered you the valuable content so it's critical that you do that and do it in a consistent basis don't do it once every 3 weeks give yourself a schedule say okay on Mondays and Thursdays I'm posting something whether it's a video whether it's writing anything you can to give value and again then at the very end of it, you can say, contact me for more information or just leave it. Just say, hope this helps because they will contact you when they need you. Now, it is a long play. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. I'll use myself as a personal example. When COVID happened in March, the majority of my clients came from speaking engagements. I would do a speaking engagements and walk out with two or three potential clients to do training. Well, Overnight, I lost eight speaking engagements that I had scheduled, which means my pipeline of clients disappeared. And I had 100 followers on LinkedIn in March. So after I crawled into a ball for 24 hours and felt sorry for myself, <laughs> I figured up, I'm like, I got to figure out how to do this. So I said, I got to dive into LinkedIn. And as of you know, this week, I have over 7,000 followers. And it's simply because of consistent, consistent consistency. That's what it is posting all the time yep so on that note if we've got people tuning in people listening that are thinking hmm I like the sound of this this content <laughs> idea I like the sound of building trust I like the sound of being helpful and also generating inbound opportunities that could lead to sales right. um how do we or how, what are some ways that you've thought about putting together content so do we just jump in and start putting together videos or how do we ensure that the stuff we're putting out whether it's text posts whether it's images whether it's videos whatever form of media we are displaying on social um linkedin or wherever our ideal customers hang out mm -hmm. how do we ensure it's going to be helpful and most importantly our ideal customers are going to enjoy that content and it's going to be a resourceful, useful piece of content for them. Well, there's a couple of answers to that. First of all, you should mix up your content. It shouldn't be just one thing. It shouldn't be just text. It shouldn't just be video. Um, I learned, I used to do almost exclusively video and I started um, mixing in some, some text, uh, text only content. And then I started doing some carousels or maybe some quote images, things like that. If you mix it up a little bit, you just, you stay fresh. Um, as far as whether the content is going to be useful, don't get hung up on that too much. Don't think you have to say, okay, I have to post something every three times a week about building a house. Sometimes just post something that resonates with you. If it resonates with you, it may resonate with your audience. Like for example, one of my best posts had nothing to do with sales. It had to do with customer service. I went into a Starbucks where I have a story about uh, a, a Starbucks manager being so unbelievably nice to me. I was so blown away by it. I did a post on it when I got home, literally just recorded it and did a post and it got over 5,000 views. and had nothing to do with sales. Yeah. It had to, something to do with my personality. I, you know, don't forget to leave your, you know, don't leave your personality at the, at the curb. Show your personality. Another great post I did was I, I built a desk that I'm sitting at right now. I built a desk with my 12-year-old daughter and I did a time-lapse photography on it. It was a two-minute video, thousands of likes. It was just because it was me building a desk with my daughter. No words, just music in the background. So every now and then mix it up with your own personality. And then to find content, I know people struggle with, all right, what am I going to say today? Um, 
always write down something that pops in your head. You, you'll usually throughout the day, things will pop in your head that you kind of just let go. But once you start concentrating on what's coming in there, like I should write about this or you see something that's interesting, write it down and that could become a piece of content. Or do a Google search. What's the what's trending in sales right now? What's trending in home building right now? If it's trending, that means people are asking questions about it and do a post about that. Love that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, especially in terms of mixing up your content, like you say, because it's you've you've got to let your personality shine through and almost almost to prove to people you're not a robot, right? So you're not yeah, exactly. just constantly saying, like, this is my work, this is how I can help you, blah, blah, blah. Same thing every day, every day out. And like you say, it's funny that you mentioned that a non-work-based post was your best because I, I remember back when COVID first hit, so this must have been March or April, I think I posted a picture of me and my dog and I was eating a toasted sandwich and I said something stupid, like I've just brought out the toasted sandwich maker for the first time in 10 years because I got so bored. And then <laughs> that was one of my most successful posts right. ever in terms of likes <laughs> and engagement. I was like, why? No idea yeah. why. But I think yeah. people just, just kind of clicked with it. Um, so it's funny. They like so, that stuff, yeah. Exactly. Just just to kind of prove you're human, prove you've got a sense of humor, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So throwing yeah. those in the works every now and then is, is just brightens people's day up, I guess, gives them, gives them a little bit of a chuckle. And, and, uh, and here's an interesting thing about that. It also depends on the social media platform. Like I think on LinkedIn, it's so focused on business. So there's so many posts about people talking about themselves or talking about their company or giving or giving valuable content. When you do something from a personal standpoint, it stands out a little more. Yeah. Then take then look at TikTok. I'll give you a great example of TikTok. TikTok mm. is is really not about business. It's about entertainment. Uh, but there there are a lot of business people on on TikTok. But the ones who do it right are kind of doing more entertaining. But I actually I started a TikTok account and. I actually posted a video, a LinkedIn video on TikTok to see how it would do. So it was completely business. Okay. And that went viral. <laughs> oh, wow. My regular ones, I get, you know, 500 views. This mm. one, you ready for this? I have over 200,000 views on this one post because it was a LinkedIn post and it was really, it just looked different. So it just depends on, you know, be cognizant of your, of your social media platform as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't want to go into TikTok too much, but I've never used it myself. Did did that actually generate you you any business, Alan? Do you know? I mean, I, I know TikTok no. can get no. So but good for branding, I guess. Good for branding. Um, I don't know if I mean I, I I'm going to consistently do it because I think you just I you should just be on as many as you can. Um, I don't do it near. I, you know, I'm not on it every day like like LinkedIn. But I mean, now I have 3,500 followers. That's 3,500 people who didn't know me you know, basically a month ago. So maybe it'll turn into something. I don't know. Um, I would think so when you get to that many people and, and, but that one thing, it, it just, it made me laugh because it went viral and my 12 year old daughter is really mad at me because she has not had a video that's gone viral yet. <laughs> so now you're ahead. She's now she's ahead of her. Go way back and get, get, get to the top of the, of the leaderboard. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. So no, I like, I really love that point about mixing up, showing you're a human, showing you've got, you've got personality, you've got a bit of sense of humor about it. It's almost like a pattern interrupt. So when people are scrolling yeah. through the feed, instead of just seeing the same old post, they're, they're seeing something a bit different that spices up a bit. Cool. Business Growth Show is sponsored by Vidyard. Tommy was tired of cold calling and emailing his prospects and getting little to no response. He signed up for a free Vidyard account, allowing him to send personalized video emails and messages to his leads and contacts and saw results almost immediately. People loved the personalized approach 
and the fact he took the time to send a custom video explaining his offer and his solution, and as a result, he stood out from his competitors, filled his calendar with quality appointments, and smashed his sales targets. Sign up for your free Vidyard account today at vidyard.com forward slash BGS. That's vidyard.com forward slash BGS. The show is also sponsored by Web Choice. Are you tired of hunting for clients? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending money on marketing, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of leads and sales. Want to learn more about WebChoice's unusual approach that brings ideal clients straight to you? Book a free digital marketing assessment today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Um, any other ways, any other ways I know you, you mentioned, which I do as well, Alan, I, I often, if I'm out walking the dog or going for a run or something comes into my mind, uh, I might just jot it down on my iPhone notes app. And then that way, later in the week, later in the day, I might use it as a piece of content. So I really like mm-hmm. that. So I use that a lot myself. Um, are there any other ways that you use to leverage, um, to actually make sure that the content you're putting out isn't a sales pitch, but it's actually generally useful, not just to everyone, but to the people that you want to be doing business with? Yeah, the, the you. Anytime you start, this is a this is. The, I always took this w- w- when I um, learned some copywriting. One of the best pieces of advice I learned in copywriting was when you write a piece of of marketing material or press release, whatever it is. Anytime you see the word "I" or "me" or "we," change it to "you" or "your," uh, because if you're talking about yourself, no one's listening. If you take the same copy, but turn it around to the customer, they will listen. It's the same thing in content. If you start anything with, so I, you know, the, the, if you look at LinkedIn closely, if you see the posts that say, you know, we just opened a new office in Memphis today. And there's a picture of the, of the people standing in the office that usually has about three or four likes. And there's a reason for that because nobody cares except for the people who are standing in the office. Mm. If you instead said, um, we're introducing some new software and, and you talk about how the software, not, not even, that's a bad example. Um, you just talk about some value and then you can say, we, we're, we're doing, we're bringing this value from this new office. It's different because you started talking about the value that you can bring the customer without talking about yourself. So anytime you're, you, you, you feel like posting something about your company or about yourself or about an award you won or anything like that, just know it's not going to get much engagement because people don't care. They just don't. They want what's in it for me. It's WIFM radio. It always is about what's in it for me. That's what people will read and stop and look at. Yeah, I think that summarizes it pretty nicely, really. Make mm-hmm. sure it's actually going to help out your, your ideal prospect, ideal customer before you post it. So instead of just putting something out, like you said, that's all about me. Oh, we just won an award. We just got great in our office. We just did this. We're so great. No one cares. Nobody how, can, cares. How, can you, how can you help me? What can you? What, what tip can you provide me today? What can you say of interest? What did, What can you teach me that I didn't know yesterday? Um, mm-hmm. What free free material do you have for me that's that's going to be of, of interest, of use, going to help me get better at business? So yeah, that, that hit the nail hits the nail on the head pretty well, I'd say. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving this back 
to selling more directly if we are so I know pre-record we, we talked a little bit about sales presentations and I think um, you're going to give some ideas on how we can actually leverage things like social proof and yeah. why they're quite important when we're in more of the closing aspect of business or trying to bring business to the table uh, how we can how we can leverage social proof and how that can help us so I think one of the best I hate to call it a technique or strategy, but for lack of a better term, one of the best techniques you can use as a seller is invoking social proof. And in my experience, it's one of the things that's forgotten about the most as well. And social proof is a very, very simple concept because it's based on human behavior. It's in it's inherent in every human being's brain that you want to be part of a tribe. You want to feel comfortable doing something that other people have done. And what that means is it's very, there's so many examples, but a great example is if you're in a restaurant, how many times have you been with someone where they couldn't make their decision on what to eat and they asked the waiter or the waitress, what's the most famous dish or what's the most popular dish on the menu? And they'll say, oh, the beef stroganoff, I'll have that. They did that because they don't want to be, they don't want to pick something. They're not comfortable picking something by themselves. They want to know what other people have chosen. Uh, one of the great examples I use is I did some training with this gentleman who sold suits in one of those large men's warehouse places that had a thousand suits in it. And part of the training was, let's invoke some social proof. And he's like, how the heck do I do that selling selling suits? I said, well, one of the ways is you can use it from appearance or, or stature. So let's say uh, a short, stocky guy walks in and, and, and wants a suit, or maybe a tall, thin guy walks in and wants a suit. You simply say, hey, Mr. Smith, you see these four suits right over here? Most of the tall men who are thin, who look like you, buy one of these four suits. So now the customer, the confusion of having a thousand suits in the place is gone because now that's eliminated. And all he's thinking about are these four suits. And he's going to feel much more comfortable purchasing one of those suits because other people who look like him bought one of those suits. So that's social proof. So any way you can use social proof in your selling, whether it's appearance, whether it's profession, proximity, you know, six other people in, in this town bought this software, uh, 10 other car dealerships use this type of calendar function. Anything you can do that's going to put them in the tribe of the people that you, uh, of the product or service you're selling will make them much more comfortable in, in moving forward with you. Got it. So it sounds like leveraging Intel that you've already got from yeah. your previous customers. So perhaps you're talking about a solution or the, the restaurant example is actually really good. I mean, I'm myself, I'm terrible, terribly indecisive. So anytime my fiance asks me what we're going to have for dinner, I'm just like, I can't, for some reason, I just come to an absolute <laughs> You freeze up, right? <laughs> I don't know what I want for dinner. Um, even though I've, I've got my, my meals, I like pizza, steak, whatever it is. Um, yeah. just, just totally free. Same in the restaurant, terrible. So yeah, if if uh, if I did ask the waiter, just like you said there, the people tend to go for these two dishes. They're really really popular. I'd probably pick one, um, just because I'm terrible like that. Not that I'm saying everyone's on that mindset, but for me and specifically, it would work a treat. Um, and that's like when you're talking about your product, and your customer might say, um, "Not too sure out of these three options, which would be the best." And I guess you could say, Alan, well, based on your client, um, based on similar type of clients to yourself, they tend to opt for this solution because of X Y Z. Um, tends 100%. to be a good fit um, based on experience working with clients typically in your sector they like to go with this because of this so mm -hmm. yeah that that makes perfect sense 
Um, and I guess even you can you can leverage that back into your content that you're putting out in terms of social. So you could use some of these examples, perhaps, of people that you've worked with or situations that you've had and leverage that in your content, right? Absolutely. You can always start your content by saying, you know, uh, of the 50% of the uh, people I've worked with this year are X, Y, Z, or even for someone like you, you know, in the, in the web business, if you have, if you have a car dealership contact you and you've had seven other clients who are car dealerships, you just leverage that saying, yeah, we, 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 we've worked with these other seven car dealerships and they've increased their sales because of our SEO um, by 35%. You know, you, we all see social proof every day and we don't even know it, especially online. Like how many times are you online looking at a product or even, uh, like a hotel room? How many times does that bubble pop up and say, you know, Joe from, you know, uh, London just, just purchased this hotel room or is looking at this product. That social proof is giving you kind of like, it's doing one of two things. It's giving you anxiety because now they're using scarcity because you may not be able to get the product if if keep if people keep buying it. And number yeah. two, other people are buying it. So you're like, I got to buy this because I'm not the only one. So that that's leveraging two areas of influence, which is scarcity and social proof. And the retail industry, and especially the online retail industry, does it brilliantly. And it's not by accident. Trust me, <laughs> it, it's there for a reason. Oh no. Um and exactly when we're when we're building websites for clients, especially sites where businesses want to generate inbound leads, inbound opportunities, or even sales, we'll nearly always leverage social proof. So it could yeah. be things like on the homepage you've got client testimonials or mm-hmm. client reviews, or perhaps you've got accredited logos or some of the big brands that they're working with, um, or accreditations, all these this kind of good stuff. Um, so it just means as as the visitors scrolling through the website, it's just building layers and layers upon trust um, that could be the tipping point from them being just a browser, just having a look to actually taking the leap and then giving you a call or filling out that form just because you've tipped them over the edge. They built that trust that you're reliable, that you're a helpful company. And uh, that's mm-hmm. that's made them motivate them to, to take action. Um, sorry, Alan, are we going to say something there? Yeah, you, you can actually take that a step further because there's different layers of that. So on a website, you're you're appealing to you don't know who, who's looking at your website. So you're going to have sort of like those testimonials. I call them generic testimonials where you just get these great testimonials from anyone you've done work with. But if I'm like a, a doctor and I'm looking for a website, you're going to build the trust and the authority from the, that stuff you put on there. But then when I talk to you, you take it to the next level and say, yeah, we have 17 other doctors that we've done websites for. So now I'm really feeling good because I found out you're, you're a good company because you've worked with all these p- different people. You've got some great testimonials, but now I want to hear testimonials from doctors. I want to hear, te- I want to see the websites that you've done for people in my profession. So that's a second level. And then when you, when you're able to do that, you're off and running, that's a home run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this could almost be a whole conversation in itself. I mean, Absolutely. then you could, then you could do things like crack on with your case studies, I guess, right, Alan? So if you've yeah. if you've helped a client in the sector, you could even start weaving in storytelling. So if they had a similar situation to them, you could say, look, this, this customer came to me six months ago with your exact problem. In fact, they're mm-hmm. in your sector. 
Um, they had this issue with getting inbound leads. So we, we took them through this strategy. We really held their hand to do this. Um, and as a result, they've they've 3x their revenue. They've onboarded a bunch of clients and they're really, really happy. I'm happy to send through their, their case study to you if it would be of use. So there's yep. so many there different ways that I didn't even think about really that Social Proof can be leveraged for your content, for your website, for your conversations over the phone or on Zoom or even face to face. So they can really I, I, I use it. It's almost second nature for me. When 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 I'm talking to someone, I'll always say, if even if it's an individual coaching client, you, the, just the simple the simple sentence of, um, you know, the the person I was coaching last week, uh, did this uh, did this uh, technique and it really worked for them. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's social proof. That that right there is talking about another person that's being coached, and a technique that I'm talking about, and that person used it and is successful. It'll make them feel much more comfortable. One, that there's another person that I'm coaching, and two, that the technique that I'm that I'm asking them to do worked with someone else who's like them. Yeah, it's just like a, a weird subconscious thing, isn't it? That you've you've heard that someone else has had success doing what you want to do, and it's like, oh, mm -hmm. in that case, I might go for it because uh, I can see it, it's so trend. powerful. There's so you're right. This could be a whole. This could be three shows. <laughs> I, I could talk about social proof and and the powers of the different powers of influence for for a long time. So, but uh, it's really good stuff. Awesome, dude. Just to wrap up, I think you had a few few tips on on how we can can utilize our, our pricing strategies. Appreciate this is a bit off topic, but I thought it could be quite an interesting conversation as it's not something we spoke a great deal about. So, um, did you have some tips for us in terms of pricing strategies that can can be quite useful in, in terms of our selling? Yeah, another whole show, but I'll, I'll give you a couple of quick a, a couple of quick tips. Number one, and and this is you see the retail back to the retail industry, and and don't think this is just for retail. The human brain, it's been proven by a thousand studies, is more comfortable with numbers that end in a nine or a seven. They still don't know why, but nine ninety nine is looks and feels more comfortable than ten dollars, and it's not because it's it's less expensive. It's only one cent. But the, the, the physical appearance of the nine makes a, makes a person's brain feel more comfortable. If you saw, you know, a widget for $9.99 and another widget for $10, even if that other widget may be better, you're still going to buy the $9.99 one. Almost, I think it's like 93% of the time. So, and even if you have a service, don't say we charge $2,500 for a website, make it $2,497. If they're looking at two website people, one's 2500 one's 2497 they're buying you because your your pricing ended in a 7 the other way and this is the final tip and you kind of met you kind of touched on this when you were saying you know you're showing three different uh, packages for your products and most people choose this one but well, there's also a way you can you can you can set up your pricing packages where you want the customer to purchase the one that's best for them which is usually the high end package See, the mistake I see many co companies make is they'll they'll put their pricing in three packages. It should always be in three, by the way. You should always have three choices for your pricing, not one. You should always have three. But they want people to go to the middle package. So they'll say, uh, this widget is $2, the middle widget is 4 and the gold widget is 6 Well, as a consumer, you're like, well, let me take the four because I don't want the cheap one, but I don't want to spend the money on the large one. So you buy the middle one, but... Guess what that does psychologically? You bought the middle one. You bought the average one. Okay, I'm average. I'm buying the, the $4 one. You know, I didn't buy the cheap one. I didn't buy the most expensive. So the company doesn't come out feeling like they're a good company. 
What if you did $2, $5, $6? Now the middle one is $5. Well, I'm not going to buy the $2 one, but for only a dollar more, I can buy the large. Now I'm feeling great because I got a great deal on their best package. So if you can position your pricing where that middle one is really, it's only there to get them to the best package because the best package is the best one for them. And it's also the best profit margin for the company. And in the end of the, at the end of the day, they're feeling great because they got a good deal on your best package. So break your pricing into three, put that middle option closer toward the large. Naturally they'll go, but they'll go for the large and they'll feel better about doing that. That's a nice little tip. Might have to try that in some future proposals and presentations. See, see how it goes. Yep. Yep. Definitely, definitely do it. Trust me, it works. And customers feel better about buying it because like I said, they feel like they got a really good deal on your best package. And on that bombshell, <laughs> let's wrap things up. Alan, really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thanks so much. Well, my pleasure. And Thanks for inviting me. No worries, dude. Please do share more about how people can learn from you, how they can connect with you, and the best way for them to get in touch. So really, my website is the, is the easiest way. Um, it's allanger.com. So A-L-L-A-N-G-E-R.com. And I also, here's another quick tip. I have a, uh, there's a, everyone knows about Linktree, but there's another one called Flow Page. And if you go to flow.page slash Alan Langer, it has all of my links to everything in one spot, all my social media, my website. Um, I have a nonprofit that I run with my daughter and I also have a master course that I teach. All the links are there. So it's flow.page forward slash Alan Langer, A-L-L-A-N-L-A-N-G-E-R. And it'll have everything there. My website will as well, but this is kind of like in one compact spot. So it's pretty neat. And and uh, if people want to check it out, I'm not selling FlowPage. I don't get anything for it, but I just think it's really, it's better than Linktree in my opinion. So there you go. Nice one, Alan. And all, the, all those links will be available over at the site, businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, thank you once again, Alan. Really appreciate you coming on. All right, Sam. Have a great day over the UK and we'll uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Cheers, dude. And if you enjoyed the Cheers. show, be sure to hit subscribe wherever the heck you get your podcast from. We interview podcast leaders, we interview business leaders each and every week to get actionable tips across sales, marketing, all to help you grow your business. And with that, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks very much for tuning in.